Coaches, welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. I'm Coach Kevin Fratello. Today is episode 78 with Coach Tony Miller. Coach Tony Miller is the assistant men's basketball coach at Bobby Jones University in Greenville, South Carolina. Dr. Tony Miller began as the Bruins men's basketball director of basketball operations in June of 2012. As a member of the coaching staff, his primary duties include player development, scheduling, game film analysis, and summer camps. During the summer, Miller is involved in the sport running Christian school basketball camps and coaching at Duke University basketball camp. He also participates at National Hoops Ministries basketball camp, serving as a camp coach. In 2014, Miller earned a doctorate in sports management from the United States Sports Academy. He also has two degrees from Bob Jones University, a bachelor's degree in health, fitness, and recreation, and a master's degree in secondary education. Since 2007, he has been a member of the BJU Health, Exercise, and Sports Science faculty, teaching courses in coaching, sports management, and sports marketing. Miller believes that athletes... Athletics are a platform for mentoring student-athletes to bring glory to Christ. He is very passionate about one-on-one growth of his players, not only on the court, but in their personal walk with Christ. Tony and his wife, Kirsten, have two children. Coaches, let's welcome Coach Tony Miller from Bobby Jones University. Coach, how are you? Coach Miller, can you hear yes, me okay? Great. Hey, welcome to the podcast, Matt. It's a great honor having Appreciate you on. You having me on. Uh, Matt Smith will, spoke very highly of. He says you got to get, you got to get Tony Miller on. Man, this guy is great. And uh, I had an opportunity to listen to a couple of your podcasts. Man, you're doing a great job. Hey, tell our audience a little bit about. Uh, kind of where you're from, how you grew up with the game and so forth, and uh, kind of lead us to what you're doing right now. I was now. born in Indiana, so I think basketball is kind of in my blood and has always been in my blood. Um, I played, we moved to, to Atlanta, and I kind of switched. The Braves were really big at the time down there, and so I actually switched to baseball and played baseball for a few years. But after the 1994 strike, I put down the baseball glove and the baseball bat and decided to, to pick up basketball again. And ever since that, that's kind of been where I've put all of my attention. Um, I, we moved to North Carolina, another basketball state. And so I played high school basketball up in North Carolina, but as a five ten guard, you're not really, uh, you're not really paid attention to five ten guards are kind of a dime a dozen. <laughs> so I didn't play college anywhere. I, I went to Bob Jones university where I'm coaching now, but at the time we didn't even have intercollegiate sports. So playing wasn't an option. So when I graduated uh, there in, in 2005, um, I really wanted to be an athletic director and a, and a high school basketball coach. So I, I hadn't any, I didn't have any kind of education classes or anything like that and really wasn't prepared to jump into the classroom. So I decided to stay and get my master's. And after I got my master's, they asked me to stay on there at Bob Jones and, and to, to teach there on faculty. But the one stipulation was that I had to go on and get my doctorate. So uh, I not very reluctantly, but <clears throat> probably somewhat reluctantly kind of decided to go ahead and stay and uh, work on that. And, and it was really interesting, the timing of everything. As I was finishing that up, I had to do an internship. And that was the year that they announced that they were starting intercollegiate sports there at Bob Jones University. And so I got on, on as the director of basketball operations with the, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, 
into a volunteer assistance position. And uh, two years ago when they had a, a coaching staff change, the new head coach who came in was somebody who had been a friend of mine I had known for years. And so he asked me to stay on. And so uh, I've been the assistant there for the last two years in a, in a paid position. So it's been real interesting how things have worked together and, and kind of morphed and how experiences have helped prepare me for the next stage, but really love what I'm doing right now. People ask me sometimes, do you want to be a head coach? I don't really want to be a head coach just simply because I love the, I love the, <laughs> the actual coaching and uh, the, the non-administration stuff. So I, I really love where I'm at and what I'm doing. And so it's, it's been a great ride so far. Yeah. Don't you feel like we all kind of have uh, one thing it sounds like, it sounds like you kind of know your strengths, yeah. right? I mean, it's like most people would say, yeah, man, I got to be a head coach, but the head coach is not what it's all cracked up to be. Right. right. Coach? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's different types of pressures there. I yeah, mean, so I, I, my full-time job, I'm paid as an assistant, but my full-time job is that I, I'm still on faculty there at the university and I'm a teacher at heart. And so, you know, the administration stuff is fine and I will, I'll help a little bit with that, but the actual teaching, like I said, and on the court and the practice planning and prep and the individual workouts, that's the stuff that I really love. And like you said, I, I feel like I've kind of doubled down on my strengths and uh, gone all in on those, and I just love where I'm at. So, so that's the stuff that I'd like to focus on. Yeah, and I don't know how I, I there's another coach that I spoke to. He actually, um, um, I forgot coach's name offhand, but he coaches in Illinois at a small school, and he also just like you, he's teaching and coaching. And it's like, how do you guys do that? Tell us, how do you? be effective in both a teaching and a coaching role at that level, at the college yeah, level. I, I think a lot of it, just time management and discipline things that, that other people had invested in me and shown me example wise and growing up, my parents had us involved in a lot of things, but it was a lot of, um, they were active in, in church and did things. So we did stuff there, but they were also school teachers. And so it wasn't always just busyness. It was actually doing things with people mm -hmm. and for people, but it was a lot of time management. And it was always, um, people will always ask and talk about, well, I don't know how you have time for your family and for teaching and for coaching and for, and I've kind of just morphed all of those things together. I don't know if that's always the best idea, but when it comes to like traveling, for instance, my family will go on trips with us as many times as, as, as possible. And so they'll travel with us to games. I have two little kids. One of them's just six months old and the other one's two years old, but my wife and my kids will go with us and the, the, the players love the kids and, and treat them really well. And so they'll, they'll spend time with them. And our head coach is really great about, um, you know, including them in things. And so, you know, it, there are times where I have to miss class, but I think just kind of keeping everything in perspective and understanding that it's kind of all of what I'm doing is, is important. And it, there's so much overlap because a lot of the kids that I have on the ball team are also in my sport management program. And so I see them in the classroom. And so kind of this idea of influencing them and reaching them isn't really just on the basketball court. I try to do it in, in all areas. Um, you know, we'll have them over to our house when we can. And so one or two of them will come over, a group of them will come over. So it's kind of more of like a, a lifestyle um, more than it is compartmentalizing being a teacher, or compartmentalizing being a coach or compartmentalizing being a father or a husband. They're kind of all together and it's kind of a, a group effort as far as our family goes to, uh, to, to 
you know, connect with those kids and to hopefully make a difference in their lives. Yeah. And that's another podcast right there. Cause I think most coaches, including myself do not do a very good job of that. Uh, and you're basically saying you got to have really good yeah, balance. Yeah, absolutely. You? And that's something that I, I credit my father to saying, um, he was always one that would, you know, he, he was invested in what he did, but he always said, live with balance. Don't, you know, there's, there's always some danger in the extremes of one way or the other. It doesn't really matter where it is, you know, be passionate about what you're doing, but, but definitely live with balance. And so I've tried to do that uh, over the course of the 36 years now that I've been alive. Absolutely. And tell me about your experience with United States sports Academy. When I was growing when I was growing up and I was a young coach, I, I looked into that. Tell me wh- how that helped you, because I don't think a lot of people know yeah, about that. So when I first started the program, well, when I was looking into the program, starting it, it was something where I couldn't go away. I couldn't leave because we were such a small department at the time. And so for me to go somewhere and to go get my degree and then come back, it just wouldn't have worked. So I needed to find something where I was able to do it a hundred percent online. Um, at the time, if you were doing 100% online, people are like, what kind of degree are you getting? Is it worth anything? And now, you know, it seems like right. everybody is doing online. So it's kind of at the forefront of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it gave me the flexibility of to be able to do it um, in my timing and when I needed to do it, and how I wanted to do it. There was no start end dates. It was when you were ready to go start when you finished the class. I remember getting one class done. I was pretty much uh, a hermit in my house for about four weeks straight. And I finished one course in, in four <laughs> weeks. They weren't all that fast, but you know, I got it done in about three and a half, four years. I wasn't married at the time though. And I, I wasn't really doing much of anything else other than school. So it, it really, the flexibility that it allowed me to do. Um, and it was, a at the time it was one of the only, uh, doctorate in sport management, And so it allowed me to do something that then benefited our school because at the time we didn't have a sport management program. And so once I've completed that, we were able to start the sport management program. And so it was a huge help to, to what I was wanting to do. And I I didn't know the effect that it would have, but it's made a, a big impact on, on me being able to do what I do there at Bob Jones. Yeah. And sports management is big. I have a friend, coach Hal Wilson, um, that teaches at Georgia Southern. He teaches, um, I, I think I, for, I forget the actual, I, I think it's coaching management or, or something in regards to what you teach. And he absolutely yeah. loves it. And, um, yeah, tell us about, you, you might even know, uh, how, but tell us about how you're, are you like for trying to prepare coaches to go out there and actually do sure. a great job? Yeah, It's, it's that and more. I think a lot of times people think of sport management <clears throat> and if you're going to get a degree in that, you're going to be an athletic director or you're going to be a coach. And that's really just scratching the surface. I mean, there are literally thousands and thousands of jobs that, that they can go out and get. I've had student athletes who have gone through the program and now who are working uh, as, as golf course, working with kind of golf course management. I've got one that's in sport marketing, working up at Wake Forest. Um, I've got ones that have done internships and worked for JMI Sports, which is one of the three largest college uh, marketing companies here in the United States with IMG and JMI. And so, I mean, there's so many jobs that a a kid can get with a sport management degree. It's very broad. And one of the things I try to do for them is kind of as they go along over the course of their four years, 
is for them to kind of discover what exactly, what area they want to go in. So if it's law, they can go into sports law. If it's sport marketing, they can go into sport marketing. If it's coaching, they can go into coaching. <clears throat> and then we have the flexibility with our program to kind of allow them to take through electives or um, through some of their minors, they can take classes that will prepare them to, to go out and do those things. So I have had several that have gone on and become coaches and are coaching in different capacities at the high school level. And so um, that's been really exciting because I'm to the point now and old enough now that I can see some of them starting their careers and it can be a little bit of help to them um, with some of the things that I've learned. And so our relationships have continued on after their playing days and after their days as students, because now they're in the position that I was 10, 15 years ago, uh, getting those first coaching jobs and working with the, with the young people now. Yeah, it's funny you say that. I have a, a freshman girl, and she's like – I mean, she she acts like she's an adult. She's a freshman. Um, she wants to do sports management. She's a, She loves UGA. Her dad went to UGA. Yeah, I went to UGA. And, yeah, she goes, she goes Coach, I want to I wanna go – I want to be their basketball operations yeah. director. It's like yeah. in the ninth grade, she wants to do that. Yeah, that's, that's pretty great. cool, isn't it? That's great. I mean – uh, I might have you contact her and just kind of give her some advice and so Absolutely. forth. Um, but that's what she wants to do. So, uh, but I think that's cool nowadays that athletes have those opportunities. Hey coach, Tanner Brightman here. Just wanted to give you a heads up about our 2019 best in the West coaches conference, October 4th, 5th and 6th in Regina, Saskatchewan, Canada. Our presenters this year are fantastic. Some of the greatest basketball coaches in the world, Chris Oliver, Mike McKay, Alex Sarama, Yurik Michaels, Shawnee Harley, and Dave Taylor will feature 13 hours worth of content for coaches to learn for the low, low price of $100 Canadian dollars. Coaches will get fed and will be given over $1,000 worth of discounts and giveaways. Please feel free to reach out to me via email or social media if you would like more information or if you would like to register, log on to www.basketballsask.com and register today. Hope to see you there. Hey, Coach. Hey, hey, I appreciate it. Hey, um, let me ask you that that question I had about my one player, um, uh, Hannah. And I, I mean, she matter of fact, she she plays basketball every day. She loves the game. She wants to be a basketball operations director, just like you. And um, but she's met some of the people at, at. She goes to all the UGA camps, and uh, that's what she wants to do. Uh, she told me the other day, sports management. Isn't that cool, man, to see yeah. a young person kind of striving to kind of stay in the area she loves? Yeah, that's great. One of the things that I would suggest that I tell our students a whole lot is in sports, there are so many uh, people that are wanting to get into it, yet so many, there's just not enough jobs for all of the people that are interested in getting into it. And it's the ones who do the work mm -hmm. like she's already doing. It's not so you hear this a lot. It's, it's who you know. It's not who you know. It's who knows you. And so if she can go ahead and start cultivating those relationships and, you know, volunteering where you can. That's the other thing I didn't I, I mentioned this briefly in the beginning. But, you know, I spent the first five years on the coaching staff as a volunteer. Like I got paid nothing for it. Wow. And yeah. there's a lot of kids nowadays that if you were to say you're going to work as an assistant. The first question they would ask is if they already know where it's at, they would say, you know, how much am I going to get paid? Well, you're going to get paid nothing. <laughs> They're like, yeah. oh, well, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't really think that I can do that. I, I need to go find somewhere else. But that, that's how it works in, in the sporting industry because there are so many people that are interested in getting into it 
that if if that's not the case with you, like you're in the minority. Um, and so if she can go ahead and volunteer, you know, doing things now and getting involved in camps and, you know, maybe getting paid little uh, here these first few years, you know, along the way, though, when you're making those relationships and networking with people and not just collecting business cards, that's not networking, but like building relationships with people and, and they get to know you and they can vouch for you. You have no idea that this person can know this person. I mean, that's how I got on your podcast. Like you knew somebody that I knew and they, they vouched for me and then you put me on the show. And, and so that's, that's just how it works in sports. And so if I could encourage young people to go out and start making those connections now, you know, show your work ethic now, work hard, volunteer for things that nobody else wants to do, that's how you move up in sports. That's how you get known. That's how you get the job that you hope for, um, you know, is, is putting in that work without expecting anything in return. Yeah, it's that people want to see your passion, right? You can't fake passion. Yeah. Um, and you're and if you're volunteering for five years, I mean, you're you're gonna get hired somewhere because people said, Man, this guy really loves what right. he does, right? Hey, tell me about your podcast, uh, a quick timeout. I heard a couple podcasts. I love what you do. I'm a podcast junkie, probably just like you. Um, you're doing some good stuff. I um tell me why you're doing it. And what are you learning from your own podcast? I think the probably the biggest thing that I'm getting out of it is just those relationships and and learning and having conversations with people that I would love to learn from and have conversations with. And I figured if I was going to be able to have the opportunity to do this, you know, I, I would be of it would be of benefit to other people to be able to hear those same conversations. Something something uh, kind of strange happens. It's not strange. I mean, if you're you're mature enough, you understand this, but something strange happens when you're about 30, 31, 32, 33. For me, I was in the job that I wanted to be in. I enjoyed what I was doing. I loved what I what I wanted to do. And so my kind of my pursuits were no longer like I got to get the job that I want. I got to be where I want to do. This is what I'm going to do. And I, I'm, I'm constantly looking for myself like the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. It was more of a, a change of focus. And once you start having kids, this changes as, as well. But like, what's my legacy going to be? Um, not what am I going to be remembered for, but what am I going to pass on to other people? And how can I benefit other people? And this was just another small way I felt like it would be something that would be a benefit to other people. Um, really, all I'm asking of people is for them to listen. And, and I'm not really expecting anything in return. Um, but I want it to be something that, that is helpful for other coaches that they listen to. Um, usually on Monday, I try to release two of them a week. And on Monday, it's a, it's an interview with somebody, a coach either that I've met or somebody that I've connected with, uh, or a friend of mine in the coaching industry. And we talk for, you know, somewhere between 10 to 20 minutes, <clears throat> as the name implies a quick timeout. I try to be brief with it because I do know how busy coaches are. Like we were talking about at the beginning, usually if you're a high school coach, like you're doing that in your spare time that's not your your primary job and so um i i know <laughs> time is at a premium for a lot of coaches and so i wanted to keep the episode shorter there'll be some every now and then that maybe 20 minutes or a little bit longer than that but you know there are a lot of other great coaching podcasts out there just like this one but you know i wanted short conversations that somebody could listen to on the way to practice or <clears throat> on the way back from work or you know something that they could do in between uh, a, f a free period or something like that um, and so it's just something that, you know, like I said, it was something that I wanted to do and something that I thought would be fun. If it could benefit other people, then, you know, that's great as well. Yeah, absolutely. Love it. And 
course, my podcasts are probably just the opposite. <laughs> They're long, but my this won't be as long because I know you you love that you're short and concise, and I love that. Uh, but I tell you what I love, and this is what I am looking to maybe add to my podcast. You don't mind me stealing some ideas from? No, you, absolutely not. Not at all. <laughs> um, is I love how you do short ones. For example, the one on communication using the acronym NIGHT. I love sure. that. I mean, those are just very short things you can write down because I think sometimes podcasts, including mine, are maybe a little bit too long, hard to write notes, hard to focus, but I got some great information. Just tell me about that communication acronym. I absolutely love what you said about yeah, that. So I think the other thing that I didn't mention on Thursday is the other day that I typically try to release something. And that's going to be kind of more of the shorter. What I wanted to do was kind of put a coaching, po- uh, a uh, coaching clinic in just a podcast form or a coaching blog in a, in a, podcast form so it's something similar to what you would read if you went to a coaching blog and read somebody's just thoughts for the day or something like that so the one that you're speaking of a lot of the i don't claim to come up with all of these things i I feel like again in the coaching profession there's nothing new under the sun it's just all kind of adapted and reused and something that somebody else taught us. So this isn't stuff that's unique to me. Um, the communication, the night communication was something that I had picked up in a clinic along the way. I think it was from coach Rosine who you've had on the show before and PGC basketball, you know, it was something they had taught at a clinic that I had been at. And so, um, the communication is something I'm, I'm actually coming out with a, with a podcast episode in about, probably about a month from from right now about a little bit more involved with communication but we talk about as coaches how important it is and 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 you know our team should be communicating and <clears throat> I don't think that we teach our players enough or teach them how to communicate um, we just tell them to start talking and so kind of giving the specifics of, of how you're supposed to communicate. And there's going to be a part two to that episode that comes out this next Thursday. It's actually what they're supposed to say. So you get on your kids about communicating and, you know, they need to start talking, need to start talking. And for a younger player, they just don't know what to say. And so if you can teach them both how to talk, they're out there on the floor and then what to say, then that's half the battle. And so, you know, it's just little practical tips like that, that I hope, I think a lot of times we as coaches, we talk up in the clouds, like about theory and about, you know, ball screen defense, about, you know, what, what, how many guys we should send to the boards to offensive rebound. And that is really important because without theory, you don't have practice, but we never get to the practical part of things. So what does that actually look like in practice? What does that look like to teach somebody how to communicate? And I think that goes back to just kind of my roots as a teacher. Um, I, I understand the importance and I like to have the discussion sometimes about <clears throat> about the theories. But if we never get practical and never teach people what to do, then how is that going to impact their program? So, you know, those Thursday podcasts are a little bit more practical and just a few tips, one, two, three things or, you know, uh, a drill of the month. I'm trying to do one drill a month that, that maybe coaches can use in a practice or something like that. <clears throat> but I want this to be stuff that they actually use. There's nothing greater for me than for a coach to write back to me on Twitter and be like, you know, we use this drill and this has helped our players or our, our players love this shooting drill that we're doing now, or, <clears throat> you know, that's the kind of thing that, that excites me. Yeah. And I feel the same way coach. Cause, um, when I started this podcast with a friend of mine a long time ago, um, 
I'm just doing it because I love listening to podcasts, and I always thought, you know what, that would be fun to do. Uh, but when I found out, you know, 10,000 episodes, not episodes, but 10,000 downloads later from a lot of coaches around the country, it's like, man, you can really have an impact on a lot of people. Yeah, right? that was something interesting. You know, I'm not in it for people knowing me or fame or whatever, but I had a coach come up to me <clears throat> at a uh, – at a clinic that I was, that I was working with. He's like, Oh yeah, I tried to connect with you when you were up here. And the guy was from Minnesota and I lived down in South Carolina. So <clears throat> it again, just allows <laughs> you to make connections with people and network with people and, and, and kind of build friendships. There's several people that I've met <clears throat> in Minnesota and several places, people that I've met in other places now that I would have never been able to meet those people if it hadn't been for Twitter or my podcast or, you know, opportunities on the internet. Yeah, it's so true. And um, my really the clinic, I run a clinic out here um, at my school that brings in uh, high school coaches from around the country through my podcast. So I built so many friendships, like you said, and uh, I'm just having a joy. And I'm probably losing money, coach, doing it. <laughs> um, but I love it. You know, my fiance right now is going, man, enough's enough. But, you know, I just loved I just love meeting guys like yourself. Uh just kind of building those connections and so forth and learning. Um, hey, also, I, I want to ask you about a great one you had with um, about mastering the art of teaching. I don't think that's stressed enough. You had Brad Stevens teaching a drill to Kyrie Irving. Uh, I think it was on one of your Twitter sure. feeds. Um, tell us about master teaching. I, I'm a big believer that your best coaches are excellent teachers. Yeah, so I think the idea just goes back to what we saw for so many years about what coaching is and what people think coaching is, you know, it's standing on the sidelines. It's uh, screaming out a play. It's, uh, you know, getting after players or it's drawing up something on the clipboard or, <clears throat> and, you know, if you, if you go back to, I, again, being from Indiana because of my, my uncle who was also an Indiana basketball coach as I was growing up, it was, everything was John Wooden. And so he gave me John Wooden books and, you know, talk to me about John Wooden. I've watched John Wooden videos. And if you read anything about John Wooden, I mean, his, he was a teacher. He was just an English teacher that taught basketball. And so I think, again, being able to communicate, um, you talk to coaches or go observe coaches who think that coaching, again, is just kind of, um, you know, drawing up plays, X's and O's. And I think probably if, if coaches follow me on Twitter, they may think it's only X's and O's because that's the stuff that, that's glamorous and gets – retweeted and liked and but it's it's the teaching that goes on and if you're not able to communicate to those kids and understand that you know you've got one kid on your team who is a tactical learner that has to be out there actually moving around and doing it and then the other kid on your team you know he has to see it he has to see it drawn up and the other kid he needs it explained to him um, you know if you're not reaching all of those different types of learners on your team you're going to end up really frustrated as a coach because you're going to think that the way that you learn is the way that everybody else learns. And when it doesn't go well, then it's the kid's fault. And it's not the kid's fault. It's your fault because you didn't reach them as the teacher and meet them where they were at and reach them through their ways that they learn. And as a result, you end up frustrated. The kids end up frustrated. You lose games. The parents and the administrators get mad at you and then you're fired. And it all goes back to whether or not you can actually teach the game. And I, 
I'm probably uh, partial to it just because I am a teacher, but I think being able to teach. Hey coaches, this is Matt Smith, the president and founder of United Basketball Clinics. want to let you know about two great clinics we have going on later this year. The Hoosier Gym Coaches Clinic, August 23rd and 24th at the legendary Hoosier Gym in Knightstown, Indiana. Vance Wahlberg, Dave Love, Doug Porter, Mike Neighbors, John Kaufman, and more will be speaking that weekend. All sessions are on the floor with live demonstration. Also, we have the Peach State Coaches Clinic in Atlanta, Alpharetta, Georgia, September 28th. Hernando Planell, Charmin White, Gene Durden, Alan Whitehart, the staff from Georgia State University, and more. Please visit unitedbasketballclinics.com to register. Early bird pricing ends August 1st. That's unitedbasketballclinics.com. Same staff discount supply. I look forward to seeing you there. Learning process. Others, they're all, they need to listen and hear things, so they're verbal learners. Um, others, they need to, they're visual learners, so they have to see what it looks like. And if I don't understand that as a coach or specifically as a teacher, and I just try to, you know, do my, what I think is coaching, kids don't get it they're frustrated because they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing I'm frustrated because they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing everybody's frustrated it really goes back to me being the kind of teacher that I need to be and understanding that each kid learns differently and meeting them where, where they are so I think just being kind of self-aware uh, of yourself and how you're communicating things understanding that there are different types of learners and you know that that they have to learn their way um you know and that goes back to just being a teacher i think probably the biggest thing that helped me was the fact that i was a teacher that was in a classroom and i had to stand up and i had to talk for 50 minutes and you know after talking for a while i understand that people were zoning out not listening so i had to mix things up and i had to show a video (laughs) or i had to do a class activity and i think we're a lot more aware of that now um we're being taught that as college professors now there's sessions every in service about how our learning, how the learning styles have changed and how as, as teachers, we need to adjust to those different types of learning styles and make sure that we're communicating in a way where kids are actually getting what they're supposed to be doing. And so, you know, again, this could probably be another one of those different episodes, but you know that, that students sure. and kids are different now. They're, they're, you know, they're, they're understanding things different. They're, they have shorter attention spans. They have, and for us to like kick against that and just be mad and be like, kids aren't what they used to be and be frustrated with that. That's on us as coaches and as teachers to adapt. Otherwise we are just going to end up frustrated. So, you know, I think being a teacher is so much more than just being able to be knowledgeable about something and then convey that knowledge to somebody else. We need to be able to explain it to other people and, and actually teach them so that they can learn and so that we can have the results that we want and the results that they want. Yeah, and that takes great humility by us, right? I mean, yeah. um, we got to look at it's it's not about us, right? Um, don't you feel, Coach, that that I think the best teachers are master observers, where they can see things and let things, and then they go and they teach. So I think sometimes coaches jump in on people, and that might not be the best way yeah. to teach, right? I think master op. I think yeah. is huge. So, uh, so much of it, you know, that goes back to your, your question to me about communication. Again, communication is not just talking. Communication is also listening. And based off what I'm listening to, then that's going to affect the things that I talk to the other people about. And hopefully then I'm able to communicate better. 
And so it's the same thing with the teaching. If you're not observing our, what, what are my kids not doing or what are my players not understanding? And then adjust to that, this old school mindset of like, you just have to adjust to me. And if you don't get it, we're going to keep on moving on and you're not going to be on the train anymore. Uh, that, that, that's <laughs> foolish in my opinion. Um, and, and it shows a lack of, like you said, a lack of humility and, and ignorance to an extent. And you know, I wouldn't want to play for somebody like that. So, Again, I, I'm thinking and having kids again has changed a lot of, of this, you know, how I treat how I treat my players, how I speak to them. You know, if my kid were struggling, what would I want their coach to be communicating to them or how would I want them be be working with them? And that comes with with self-awareness. Like you said, um, it comes with uh, an added dose of humility, uh, being a listener. Uh, but, you know. I've found, like you said, that the coaches who are a little bit more proud aren't the ones they want people to adjust to them. And I just don't think that that's going to be very successful in this day and age. No, I think they're, they're, they're kind of, um, they're, they're still out there, but I think the really good ones, even the, even the older coaches like coach K have adapted. I mean, they're probably the most, adaptable coaches even at his age of 70 i think it is um it's amazing some of these uh, that's what i love about coach k now he's got great talent but he he has changed with the times and the kids hasn't so i work for them i don't know if you knew this but i work for them in the summertime i i've for the last six years worked his camp up there in durham during the summertime and he he talks freely about that and how he's changed and how the kids have changed and how he's had to change to meet them where they're at and adjust to them. And, you know, even through social media, he doesn't have a Twitter account uh, per se. He has one out there, but not many people know what it is. And he observes the kids through that. And like you said, observation plays a huge part in what he does and um, just how he talks to them and how he communicates with them has changed. And I, I think that shows, again, the great ones are able to adapt. They're not expecting everybody to adapt to them. And uh, like I said before, it takes a, a level of humility, but also self-awareness. And, you know, if you want to be successful, you have to be willing to change that way. Yeah, that's so true. Coach, I only have a few more questions and so forth. I, I'm not as quick as the that's quick time right. out, but I, I'm, I'm, getting close. I'm getting close. I'm more of a halftime. <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. So I can work on a half with you. Hey, uh, hey, talk to me a little bit about your 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 system and your program at Bob Jones. Tell me about because I might have some coaches out there saying, "Hey, I didn't know about Bob Jones University and what kind of program. What kind of program do you have? What's some of your your what's your philosophy? What kind of system do you have? Uh, Tell us about it." I usually get is what level do you all play at? And we're actually currently in the process of moving into Division Three. We're part of the, right now the NCCAA. Okay which you probably, uh, for instance, Emmanuel College, if your listeners are familiar with that, with Coach Razine, they're dual affiliated, so they're part of the NCCAA, but they're also NCAA Division II. So we'll be like that. We'll, we'll be NCCAA, but we'll also be NCAA Division Three. So if that kind of gives your, your listeners kind of the idea of what level we're at and the kinds of players that we have, um, as far as offensive, defensive systems, the thing that has remained constant, our program is we're going into our eighth year. I told you we started intercollegiate sports just a few years ago. We're going into our eighth year, and the thing that has remained even through the coaching change has been kind of the defensive style, even though that's changed a little bit. Uh, we started out as a pack line team, 
I tell people now we our base is kind of a pack line team, but it's not like a pack line team that you would think of Virginia or Wisconsin. Um, when I became the assistant coach uh, here a couple of years ago, the head coach decided we were going to split up the duty. So he take, he took the offense and I have the defense. So I'm in charge of the defense and I've taken the, the pack line base and kind of adapted it. And I try to keep up as much as I can with what teams in the NBA are doing and what analytics are saying that I've got some friends uh, that I've made connections with analytic wise that have, have through some presentations that they've done and things um, given me some information that has changed some of the things that we do with our ball screen coverage and that kind of thing. So uh, like I said, it's kind of a, a base pack line, but it's not necessarily pack line. It's a little bit different combination of things. Um, offensively, we're, we're kind of changing things this year and, and mixing things up. We've always been kind of a four out one in team. Um, down here in the South, it's a little bit different. You know this from being in, in Atlanta, but you got a lot of athletes. It's a lot of up and down the court, um, being able to go against presses or press yourself and uh, being able to score quickly, high possessions. That's what a lot of the teams here in the South and South Carolina and Atlanta and down in Florida, which is where we're primarily playing most of our games. So it's kind of an up and down game. I know everybody says they like to get up and down, but especially around here with the athletes, it's up and down. So it's it's been very interesting to see how our defense, the pack line defense that we play, has kind of gone against what typically is done here in our region. And it's actually, to be honest with you, been one of the things that's helped our program because it's different than what a lot of the teams do with their pressure man-to-man defense and what they face every day in, in, in games. And so we hold a lot of teams to their lows or close to their lows we're in games that we shouldn't be in a lot of times because defensively it allows us to be able to control things a little bit better. Um, so it, it's been interesting and it's constantly evolving, but um, it's been fun to be a part of the program since the beginning and kind of establish your own thing and do what you want to do. And, and uh, so looking forward to next year, hopefully kind of building on a little bit, a little bit newer offense that we'll be doing to go along with what we've been doing with defense for a while now. Yeah, and what's cool is you've been around since yeah. the beginning, right? Right. Of Correct. the program. That's pretty cool, yeah, right? It's, there, it's coach. been really neat just because, <laughs> like I said, you get to be a part of what's been established and, um, you know, can't really take any credit for any of the success, but being able to be a part of coaching different coaching staffs and do things a little bit different um, with a new, a new coach than we did with the old coach, but still kind of the same core values that we've had since the beginning and to have, have been a part of establishing those at the beginning. Um, has been really fun. Right. And it sounds like you guys are not, um, maybe don't have the athletes. That's what I, I, that everybody else has, but you try to beat people on efficiency and execution. Right. right. Yeah. If you looked at our team, I mean, they're, <laughs> my parents come to a lot of our games and after some of the games, they'll say, oh man, we were watching warmups and we thought you guys were going to get absolutely killed. Um, so, and, and so, <laughs> you know, we've, We've been fortunate enough in our program's history, just the eight years. I mean, we've beaten a Division One team. We've beaten a lot of Division Two teams, uh, high-level NAIA teams. And I think it goes to the credit of just our players buying into what we, what we do and, and doing it well. And like, like you said, even though we're not the most athletic, player development has always been a huge part of our program. I know every coach says that player development is, is a big part of their program, but ours especially has been a huge part. 
And it, it's really not the credit of the coaches or myself. It's, it's really the players. They've bought into things. They work really hard. Um, I think they know that they're not the most athletic and the most talented, and that drives a lot of them. But they do – they make up for it by working really, really hard. So I'm really proud of the guys that we have and the guys that we've had in our program over the – Huddle is the preferred video and analytics platform for over 6 million users and 150,000 teams worldwide. Huddle offers a complete performance platform, including the most powerful and flexible tools for video analysis with online tools, mobile and desktop apps, smart cameras, analysts, and more. For more information on Huddle, check out hudl.com or at Huddle on Twitter and Instagram. Tony, welcome back, man. Hey, hey, what I was I was saying was the best coaches are at the high school and division three level. And I, I would go to anybody on that because you guys have to really build players in right. your player development. So hey, just just give me one key thing you guys do in your player development before you go. Oh man. Um, you know, I think the again, the trying to be at the forefront of things as far as not being stuck in our ways of how this is how we've always done it and really reading up on and following coaches, listening to podcasts like this one of of coaches, what they're doing, trying to incorporate decision-making into our drills and into our games. I, I think probably being able to compete as much as possible has been key for us because you don't have players that, like you said, are, are the most skilled or the most talented they get in and work hard on their own. We give them things to do. But then when it comes time for practices, being able to actually compete as much as we can, whether that's in a full-court setting or a half-court setting, we have high IQ kids, uh, whether or not they're high IQ basketball kids. Sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. But <laughs> the, the IQ does transfer over, and they're able to grasp things over time. And so just, again, being teachable, um, being able to us being able to teach things to them so that they can grasp it and the work that they put in, you know, that, that has been big for us. It uh, honestly, it's just the kids and them working hard. Uh, I'll just give you a quick example. This, this last year we had, we ended up losing eight guys from the time that the season, the, the week before the season started or two weeks before the season started until Christmas break. And so two of the players that we ended up in our starting lineup, we had told each of them they were going to be practice players for the entire year. And they ended up starting. (laughs) And and one of the kids who just, I mean, he, both of them are great, but one of them in particular was a freshman. um, And he worked hard on his own. He worked hard in the workouts. He worked hard in practice. And he ended up as an all freshman region player. And, Ah. and it, it just goes to the credit. I, there is nothing – there is a reason why the cornerstone on John Wooden's pyramid of success was industriousness. It was hard work. Is because you cannot – there's nothing that can replace it. And if a kid is willing to work hard and works right, I mean, does the things that the coach is asking him to do, I don't think you cannot be successful. Um, and so it, that, it really on, is on the players, and it is to their credit, the kids that we've had in our program, that they work hard. And I'm just really proud of the kind of kids that we have. Yeah, and I also believe that players will work hard for coaches they believe in and a system, and that's to you guys. That's that's to your credit. So congratulations on that, Coach. You guys are doing a great job with that. I appreciate it. Hey, my last question is, is if you had a chance to sit down to have dinner with a coach, who would it be? 
Oh man, live or dead? Live or dead? <laughs> it would probably be John Wooden, um, just because. Yeah. Just because of of how much I have read about him, um, it's really actually interesting. The the guy we we just brought on another assistant this last year, uh, an older gentleman, great guy, but he had the opportunity several years ago to actually go to John Wooden's home and sit down and talk with him for a while and, and just listen to him, and uh, I'm really je- jealous of that. But I think just just being a teacher. Um, I'm, I'm not John Wooden. I'll never be John Wooden, but I've always kind of wanted to emulate that a little bit about being a great teacher and being a great coach and trying new things. And, you know, I think a lot of people forget when he first started winning championships, he didn't have the biggest and the fastest and the best. He had the start, the, the shortest starting five in the championship history of the NCAA. And I think it was because he was such a great teacher, um, that he was able to have success, um, there when he first started winning the championship. So, uh, you know, I think probably just sitting down and listening to his wisdom and even though probably a lot of the things he would talk about are already in books, just hearing them from his own mouth, I think would be something that would be interesting. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's funny you say that because I have coaches on the podcast that actually did yeah. go and meet <laughs> with them. And they say just that that's just, I mean, they would never forget right. that. As a matter of fact, um, one of the coaches, uh, I'm trying to remember his name. Uh, I did recently. He's 90 years old, mm. and um, God, I can't. I can't. I don't know why I forgot it. But he said he sat in the back seat with, and John Wooden and his wife were driving their car, and John Wooden was quoting poetry to him. <laughs> that's great. Isn't that also? I, that's a great. That's a great vision right there. I can sense that. And he said it was the best car ride he ever had. Think that's about great. that. <laughs> Um, but coach, thank you for coming on. I sure appreciate it. Hey, I want my listeners to know how they can, first of all, how they can reach your podcast and how they can contact yeah, if you. Just go to Apple podcasts. It's on Spotify. It's on a lot of the, the podcast platforms and just search a quick timeout. It's just the name of the podcast. You'll see there's just started a few months ago. So there's only about 30 episodes on there, but, um, coaches from different levels, uh, a lot of, recently here some of the guys from around the south carolina tennessee area um some you might know some you may not know interviews like i said before are short so you can listen to them in a car ride to school or to work or to church or whatever so um, you can check it out there and then you can follow me on twitter it's at tony w miller it's where i spend a lot of my time and if you have instagram it's at coach.miller so i would love to connect with with a lot of you out there and if i can be of help to anybody i'm i'm easy to reach there and more than willing to help and provide any kind of information they may have. Well, coach, I'm going to call a quick full time out right now. Okay. Cause we All are right. finished. All right. Uh, but thank you for sharing your vision, man. I appreciate it. This is what the podcast is all about. Uh, also, we're having a clinic on September 14th with all these high school coaches. I'll send you some information. We would love Absolutely. to have you come down and share with us. So, but thank you for sharing, man. I really appreciate you taking Absolutely. out the time. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on. All right. Thanks, Coach. Coaches, I got an exciting announcement. On September 14, 2019, the Legends on the Lake Basketball Coaching Clinic will be back. Um, we're really excited to host a great clinic this year. Uh, we will have the top coaches in the state of Georgia and around the country uh, attend our 2019 clinic here at Lake Oconee Academy in Greensboro, Georgia. 
The clinic will go from 8 a.m. until 6 p.m. We, we feel like we are the most unique coaches clinic in the country and that we will have a live demonstration team from Middle Georgia Prep School demonstrating all the on-court activities for the speakers. In addition, we'll have the best high school coaches from states like Georgia, Wisconsin, Alabama, Tennessee, Missouri, and New Jersey. We have speakers starting at 8 a.m., and we will have our last speaker at 3.45 p.m. We provide the coaches with a meal, snacks, shirt, everything they need in our beautiful new facility here at Lake Oconee Academy. You cannot go wrong. If you're interested in signing up for this clinic, I will give you a special deal. Please put <clears throat> a special code <clears throat> of LEGENDS. And you email me at furtadok57 at gmail.com. I will give you a special discount if you come to our clinic. And also, I'll provide you any hotels that are close by the school. We're right off of I-20 here in Greensboro, Georgia. Looking forward to seeing all you coaches. Take care. Hey, coaches. This is Nick Bartlett with Dr. Dish Basketball, and you're listening to the Championship Vision Podcast with Coach Kevin Furtado. Make sure to check us out at drdishbasketball.com and on Twitter and Instagram at at drdishbball for daily basketball drills, tips, inspiration, and how we've revolutionized the basketball shooting machine over here at Dr. Dish. Also mention this podcast and you will receive an exclusive discount on your next Dr. Dish purchase. Thanks for tuning in.